Today on episode number 720, ever wonder what other people are using to make their podcast? Well, I asked that question and you answered, and today we're going to listen. Get comfy. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005, I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where I help you start your podcast and grow your influence. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com. Use the coupon code LISTENER and save 20% on either a monthly or yearly subscription. I always love it when I get a because of my podcast story. This is a great example of how your podcast is a resource for so many things besides just reaching people's ears. You know your audience, you know what they need, and in many cases like this one, you can give it to them right away. Check out this story. Hi there, this is Kevin Patton, host of The A&P Professor, a podcast for anatomy and physiology teachers featuring science updates and teaching advice. And here's my most recent Because of My Podcast story. A few weeks ago, as it became clear to me that college faculty, well, all over the world, would be forced to finish their on-campus courses remotely, I started focusing my teaching advice on how to do that. I've not only been teaching remotely myself for years, I've also been teaching others how to do it in a graduate program that trains anatomy and physiology professors. So I now have a set of episodes with some hard-won practical tips and some cautions about pitfalls to avoid. I even included a mention of the 20-minute video to help teachers get started in podcasting quickly that's available at the School of Podcasting website. I happen to have a grant that pays for high-quality transcripts of each episode of my podcast, so I already had a text version of all this information. So I pulled the relevant transcripts, including some from my back catalog that can also be applied to pandemic teaching, and I made an ebook. Of course, it took quite a bit of editing because transcripts of a spoken conversation don't have the same flow as you want to read in a book. But I'm a writer, and I was able to fairly quickly do an okay job of editing and filling in the gaps. The ebook is called Pandemic Teaching, a Survival Guide for College Faculty. I then signed up with a service called Draft to Digital. That's Draft and then the number two and then digital. DraftToDigital.com, who quickly registered my ebook with Amazon Kindle and Apple Books and Barnes and Noble and other major ebook vendors. It was also sent to library systems that lend ebooks. Pandemic teaching is free for download because I'm doing it as a service to my faculty colleagues around the world. It's still kind of early in the process, but it's already hit the number one bestseller spot in the education problem solving category at Amazon. And it's close to number one in a couple of other categories, such as pedagogy and educational professional development. So, yeah, my podcast was the starting point for a best-selling book, if you can call a free book best-selling. So here's another opportunity for us podcasters to reuse content and increase our reach and our brand awareness in other media. You can always visit my podcast at theapprofessor.org. I'll see you down the road. 
I'll see you, Kevin. Thank you so much. And again, his book will be in the show notes. If you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash 720, I'll have a link to the book. I also have a link. Kevin was on the podcast review show. That's a show I do with my buddy, Eric K. Johnson. And we basically bring you on, you give us an episode and we go through it and say, we really like this part, but this part was a little confusing and maybe your website needs this or that, but that was really good. And we help you enhance the things, you know, amplify the things you're doing right and maybe tone down some of the things that eh, might be a little off, um, off your plan, off your goal. And uh, you can find that at podcastreviewshow.com, but always great to hear from people about what's going on because of their podcast. If you want to send in yours, super easy, schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Changing the world, one download at a time. I didn't plan this because... I don't have a crystal ball, but one of the great things about going to events is you go and you get that, what we call the hallway track going. You have all the tracks for the monetization track and the beginner track and the advanced track. We like the hallway track where the cool conversations are going and you kind of find out what people are using and what they're up to and things like that. And I didn't realize we were all going to be locked in our house for, man, talk about, you guys remember the the song from uh, Humble Pie? I would love some humble pie right now. Mm, man, little little cool whip on the top of that bad boy. Uh, 30 days in the hole. Holy cow. I didn't realize that's where we we're going to be. And so when I asked the question, what are you using to make your podcast? I left it wide open and I'll answer this at the end, but here's what some of you replied when it comes to how do you make your podcast? Hey, Dave, this is Arnie Chapman, the football history dude over at thefootballhistorydude.com, where you can go for more gridiron knowledge nuggets about the history of the NFL. Speaking of the NFL, the Football History Dude, the podcast, the one that I create, and you asked, how do we create it? And of course, there's all these different softwares and such. My ATR 2100 flipping into my whatever this boom arm guy is with this little dragonfly pop filter coming down into my Computer with Audacity. So all those are fairly cost-effective options. I like to use Squadcast primarily for my uh, interviews because everything that I do for interviews is remote, except for when I'm live in person with uh, at the Hall of Fame, when I'm interviewing people on the streets for their favorite football moments. That would be just a standard, uh, still ATR2100, uh, XLR cable deal, plugging into the Zoom I think it's an H4N, maybe, the one that you carry around with you in your pocket. And then we just do our thing like we normally do. But as far as what I use to create my podcast, I would say it's beyond the equipment. It's not the tech. For me, it's a general curiosity. It's a passion. I love what I do, and I love what I get to listen to because it's so unique, the guests that I bring on the show that have been involved in the NFL So I'm sitting back and asking questions, not as somebody that's like, say, a a reporter on TV or something. I'm asking some questions that I would want to know. So I hope that that kind of translates into what the listeners of the show get to have that same kind of, uh, I guess you could say, firsthand experience type of, you know, guest fan experience. And we'll see. 
Other than that, just want to say thanks for doing what you do. But for now, I'm through if you're through. Thank you, Arnie. Loved that answer. Sure, microphones, recorders, things like that. But what fuels his podcast is passion. Because when you first start off, you're not going to have an audience. And it's that passion that gets you through. And, you know, for the record, you don't always have to make money with your podcast. Sure, it's kind of nice if that happens. But sometimes it's just talking about what you love. So I loved that answer. Thank you, Arnie. Hi, Dave. This is Joan Wheeler from Culture Rich Podcast. Your April question, what do you use to create your podcast, is one I have struggled with. I began the first of my very few episodes so far by editing in Audacity. I had an interview that I needed to heavily edit because the interview subject repeated himself several times during detailed descriptions of his artwork. It was all good information, but I had to decide what parts were most important to keep, which meant cutting and pasting pieces from the various iterations of his description. I started using the label feature in Audacity to label clips so I would know what to put where. But when I cut and pasted clips, I discovered that the labels stay with the timeline rather than with the clip. After spending far too long getting lost in my Audacity audio tracks, I started over using a method that is time-consuming, but less frustrating. I imported my raw audio file into a fresh Audacity project. After editing the file for sound quality, I isolated clips in the order in which they occurred during the interview, deciding if I wanted them in the final project. Then I exported each selection, each selected clip, as a WAV file named with keywords indicating the clip's content. I imported each separate clip into Final Cut Pro 10, which I've used for many years to edit video. Inside Final Cut, each clip stayed put on the magnetic timeline. I could use titles to give me more clues about sections of the interview. I could easily see and manipulate the volume and placement of my music track and could export the finished audio as an MP3. I still use this workflow although my subsequent interviews have not been as complicated to edit. So that's the editing system I use to create my podcast. I know I spend too much time editing. I know I use an extremely clunky process. But I wonder if there is an audio editing platform out there that will allow me to truly label clips and allow me to move these labeled clips around on a magnetic timeline, similar to that of Final Cut. I am willing to learn a new system. Thanks very much. Bye-bye. Thank you, Joan. Sorry to hear things are so frustrating. And that's actually one of the reasons why I use Hindenburg Journalist. I kind of do the same thing you do. I cut things into pieces, and then I you can rename the piece over on the right-hand side of the screen, and then I drag them in the way I want, and then I export that. But even in Hindenburg, you can add markers and you can add chapters. And if you move the audio around, the labels and the chapters stay put. And I'm with you. I wish they would stick with that. But uh, my whole thing is figure out what – if you get the pieces parts in the right direction and I add the labels and cha- uh, the chapter markers the last place because, again, if I add them and then move things around – well, they're kind of pointless. So the last thing I do is add chapter markers. And if you're listening to this and go, what is a chapter marker? If you're an Apple podcast or overcast, most apps, you can actually click on the next button and go to the next segment of this show. Not everybody likes chapter markers. Uh, some people like them. Some people hate them. I like them because this show has multiple segments and maybe I'm doing something that's for beginners and 
you're not a beginner. So thank you so much, Joan. That would be my recommendation. But of course, that also means a learning curve and you already know Final Cut. So sometimes if if it ain't broke, you don't fix it. Hey, Dave, this is Darwin Dave from the Dealing With My Grief podcast at dealingwithmygrief.com. When it comes to the April question of the month in terms of what I'm using to podcast with, there's what I'm currently using and what I used to use. What I used to do when I first started podcasting back in 2016 was I had my Zoom H6 that I would record directly into using a Sennheiser E835 microphone. I would then take the recording directly from the Zoom H6, copy it into my computer, and then edit with an application called WaveLab. And the only reason I used WaveLab is because it was the free program that came with the Zoom H6. Now, I say I used to do that because back in February of 2020, my house caught on fire. So my living room, my dining room was torched. And that just so happened to be underneath the area that I used to record in, in the space in my attic. And what the fire didn't destroy, the smoke did. And what the smoke didn't destroy, the water that the fire department used did. So as I am now displaced into a temporary residence until my home is repaired, I am now coming up with a combination of ways to record my podcast. As I record this, I am sitting in my car using the Zoom H6 directly. When I record my episodes, my regular episodes, I have now begun to do that from various parts of the home, trying to figure out exactly what has the best acoustic sound. So I've been in a number of the different bedrooms, a couple of places in the basement, and I'll figure out exactly what the sweet spot is for me, and I will pick that spot, and I will carry on accordingly. But what I have noticed is that with the Zoom H6 specifically, it gives me a ton of options. Like I said, I can record from here in the car. I can use an XLR microphone and record from any spot in the house. And what I've actually done also is I've done a mobile interview or an on-site interview where I've had a couple of Shure SM48s, not the 58s, but the 48, to conduct an interview on-site. Also, in terms of software, I am no longer using WaveLab. You turned me on to a product back in February 2017, and I don't know if you remember this, but back in February 2017, you advertised that for one week or for one day only, Hindenburg was having a sale on Hindenburg Journalist, not Journalist Pro, but Hindenburg Journalist. And for the very low price of $1.90, you could purchase Hindenburg Journalist. And that's what I did just because I didn't need it, but you said it was a good value and it was something that you may want to have and play around with. And once WaveLab went by the wayside because, well, I lost access to my computer, I decided to download and install Hindenburg Journalist for that $1.90 that I paid three years ago. And that is what I'm currently using to edit the last few episodes of my podcast I've put out. So now it is the Zoom H6. I do still have my Sennheiser microphone. I was able to salvage that. But now I'm using as my digital audio workstation or my DAW, Hindenburg. And I love it. And I don't know why I didn't think of doing this a while back. But that's my setup, Dave. Thank you for everything that you do. 
Uh, Look forward to hearing this episode and future episodes of the School of Podcasting and continue to do what you do. Thank you very much. Darwin, I was like, I was wondering where you're recording because I'm like, man, he sounds great because you're in the car. The car and closets are two places that are great to record. And so sorry to hear you're going through such a crappy time. Such a, I'm glad you're okay. That's the bottom line of that. But holy cow, what a headache, man. But I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, I'm a big Hindenburg fan. I mean, I own Audition. I'm still paying for Audition. And I'm just like, eh, it does everything I need. And it's simple and it works. Yeah, so I'm a big Hindi fan. And, of course, you can learn how to use Hindenburg at the School of Podcasting. Hi, Dave. David Oliver Kling here. I host and produce two podcasts. The first, which just hit 66 episodes, is Sacramental Wine, spelled W-H-I-N-E, which is located at sacramentalwine.lipson.com. And that podcast is about the independent sacramental movement. My other podcast is Midgard Interactive, which is located at anchor.fm slash midgard-interactive. And that's a podcast about the play-by-email game Midgard. So I think I have a pretty good setup. I use a Rodecaster Pro and a Rode PodMic. I've used the ATR2100 and I also use the Samson Q2U. I like them both, but I think I prefer the PodMic. For recording and editing my podcasts, I use Hindenburg Journalist Pro and love it. I've never used anything else. Finally, I published my main podcast on Lipson and my Just for Fun podcast on Anchor because I produce Midgard Interactive with a $0 budget. You do great work, Dave. I've been listening to you for years and I picked the equipment that I have, with the exception of maybe the pod mic, from listening to your recommendations. Keep up the awesome service that you do for the podcasting community. It's much appreciated. Thank you, Dave. And, uh, you know, the road mic, the pod mic has grown on me. When I first kind of dialed into it, I was like, meh. But uh, it's actually, number one, it's a great weapon. If somebody comes at me, you know, some people sleep next to a baseball bat. I have a Rode pod mic next to my bedside. Somebody comes at me, that's going at their head, and I'm going to take them out. And now that the Rodecaster Pro has the ability to tweak the the bass and treble, for lack of a better phrase, uh, you can really get a pretty good sound out of that microphone. Not that it was bad in the first place, but uh, right now I'm talking into an RE320. I'll give you more of my stuff later. But uh, if I was starting out and I had a Rodecaster and I wasn't going to be going all over the place, I didn't need USB, the pod mic's a pretty good mic. Hey there, Dave Jackson. What's happened there, buddy? This is Chris from the Chris and Christine Show, co-host, of course, and I would like to answer your question of the month. Now, we have, there's two of us, Chris and Christine. She happens to be my fiance, and we do a podcast out of my house. I'm sorry, now it's called Our House. Anyways, we record it with uh, ATR 2100 microphones into Audacity, running it through a USB interface by Behringer. It's the one you recommended. I think it's the four-channel one, 404, something like that. Anyways, we do that onto our old HP computer. It's probably like six years old or whatever. We run it through there, and we also do a little touch-up with a little thing I like to call, it's like a secret weapon. It happens to be, shh, don't tell anybody, it's Levelator. Levelator is a free program that you use a free application you can use for a computer, and somehow it takes all the levels of the podcast and levels everybody out. Makes it sound great, so I don't have to do any of the post-production because who's got time for that? Not me. And then if we do any actual uh, remote podcast, like guests, remote guests, I use a little program called cleanfeed.net. 
clean feed is like a web based uh, browser recording service. It was designed for radio stations, I guess. So there's a free option you can use. And I've been using that the whole entire time. And we, we've only done a few actual guests so far. We probably will introduce more as we go on. But for right now, it sounds amazing. It sounds as if the guests are in the same room as you, if they got the right equipment, of course. But anyways, so that is our setup. You can find us at K2 Show San Diego on Twitter. And if you find us there on Twitter, you can find our link to all of our podcast stuff. You know, we're everywhere, the usual places, um, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that fun stuff. So look us up, K2 Show San Diego on Twitter, and you have a wonderful day and be safe. Thank you, Chris. I will send you a link to an episode of Building a Better Dave that I titled Marriage Advice from the Divorce Guy. So congratulations on your future nuptials, and uh, marriage is not easy, my friend, so uh, buckle in and uh, have fun. Hey, Dave Jackson, Clay Groves here, Chief Executive Fish Nerd of the Fish Nerds Podcast, calling in with your question of the month. If I'm recording at home, I use an ATR2100 microphone. I record right into Audacity. If I'm feeling really saucy, I might use a fancier program, but usually Audacity's the way to go. I edit in Audacity. I manually add music and stuff. I edit like crazy, and then I run it through Auphonic, and then I upload to Libsyn, and it goes out in the world. If I'm recording in the field, I'll be recording with my Zoom H4n and a Rode a shotgun microphone with a dead cat on it. That'd be like if I'm doing a fishing piece or something out in the wild like that. Uh, I use Lipson as my host, and I do most of my marketing through social media, mostly Facebook, a little bit of Twitter. And if I'm feeling really, really adventurous, I'll do a TikTok <laughs> or something like that. Anyway, uh, I make the Fish Nerds. It's a lot of fun. And you can find all my stuff at fishnerds.com. Oh, for my website, I use WordPress. I just lost my website to a virus or a hacker, so I've just started working with my with one of my listeners to build a new website that's uh, not quite where I want it to be yet, but it's going to get there because my iPage is my iPage, which my host of my website uh, was holding my website hostage. So um, PSA: Don't use iPages. Screw those bastards. <laughs> Anyway, this is Clay from fishnerds.com. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate all you do. Thank you, Clay. And I'm so sorry to hear about your website. Uh, speaking of websites, I have a webinar coming up. This is on May 20th. It's your podcast website, and it's a free webinar. You go over, just sign up, and it's going to be myself talking about what I feel you should have on your website and some of the best practices. And then I'm also going to have a guy from PodPage. Now, PodPage is a, I'm going to be talking about this in the future, so I'm going to make this quick, but if you hate WordPress, and but you need more power than maybe the built-in website that came with your media host, check out schoolofpodcasting.com slash podpagepreview, all one word, podpagepreview, and I'll have a video for that, and he's going to be on the webinar. Again, that's May 20th at schoolofpodcasting.com slash webinar, and the only thing cuter 
then Clay Groves is Clay Groves' kids. Check this out. Hey, the Dave Jackson. I am Zoe, and I am 13, and I make the Daily Chicken podcast with my sister, Sammy. Hi, I'm 10. You can find our podcast on Daily Chicken Podcast. On our show, we tell jokes about chickens to chickens. What do chicken families do on Saturday afternoons? Hmm. Oh, they go on peckinics. We record our ch- in our chicken coop using a Zoom H4N recorder for a mic. We use a, a road shotgun mic. We edit in Audacity, and our show is hosted on Anchor because we, we are kids. We have no money. We make our website on Blogger because it's super easy and fun. Thanks, Dave. For more fun, visit thedailychickenpodcast.com. I've said it before, and I will say it again. When it comes to shows where you are interviewing chickens, that's the best one I've ever heard. Um, Hands down. They were on the podcast rodeo show. I was like, you know, I was looking for a podcast where people interviewed their chickens, and those two came up, and I was like, wow, I know they're young, but super pro. Love it. The Daily Chicken. Hi, Dave. This is York from the Poetic Earthlings podcast. If you're into audio dramas, short stories, then you've come to the right place. You can find us at poeticearthlings.com. The one tool that I use all the time is Hindenburg Journalist Pro. For a person with ADHD, you don't want to have a program that has a whole bunch of stuff on the screen. Hindenburg kind of quiets all the noise and it helps you to focus on the essentials. You know what? I'm doing such a good job in this one that Hindenburg should pay me. Yeah, they should pay me. And nevertheless, if you want to have a really good experience, check out Hindenburg. And also, if you want to have your mind bent backwards and forwards, check out my podcast at poeticearthlings.com. Talk to you soon. I guess I should mention that if you want to learn Hindenburg Journalist, it is super easy, but I've got a course made for podcasters at this thing called the School of Podcasting. Hello, Dave. This is Dennis Trumpy. First, I want to thank you so much for all you do to support the big and awesome world of podcasting. Thanks to your advice, I have totally transformed my podcast, which is why I became a Patreon supporter something I encourage other listeners to do, assuming it's within their means. And if you're wondering how to do that, schoolofpodcasting.com slash support. I'll mention two tools I use to podcast. The first is sound-absorbing ceiling panels to stop the sound bounce Bounce back back from from the the window window that's that's close close to where I record. record. They're a few bucks at the hardware store. I only needed two, and I just hang them up when I'm recording and take them down afterwards. They were great. The second tool I use is called Envato, spelled E-N-V-A-T-O, which provides music, sound effects, high-quality photos, and much more with unlimited access for a reasonable subscription fee. Quality and unlimited are the key features they provide. I think it's helped me create a much higher quality podcast. Now for my self-promo. I run the Sleep to Healthy podcast, which is a complete course on how to cure your insomnia. It uses the method most recommended by sleep experts, 
that you've probably never heard of called CBTI. You can find the complete course at sleeptohealthy.com. And like all podcasts, it's free. Thanks again, Dave, for all the enthusiasm you generate. And I hope others find these tools helpful. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, if there's nothing else from this whole virus pandemic, I have very weird dreams every now and then and cannot fall back to sleep. Hi, Dave. And of course, you there, person listening to the School of Podcasting. This is Stephen Andrasano for the Stephen King Boo Club podcast, a comedy review show going through all of Stephen King's best-selling novels in chronological order. We do interviews, literary analysis, game show segments, and of course, musical numbers. I was so excited to hear this question because I really love the nitty-gritty of people's setups. I'm super excited to see who else answers this. Personally, I use a Rode Podcaster microphone and Audacity to record my half of the audio while my co-host uses a Blue Yeti and GarageBand. We live in two different states. I'm in Maryland and he's in Vermont. So we each individually record our own audio while on a Facebook Messenger call. It's basically a homebrew cleanfeed.net or Squadcast setup. We use a shared Google document to read a script together, which is really just a rough framework for the topics and segments we're trying to hit on any given episode, but we find it really helpful to be literally on the same page. After we record, I take both sides of our audio and splice them together into one track using Audacity. Uh, We then put in all of our sound design components, which are either public domain sourced largely from freesound.org or YouTube's audio library. Uh, We also make some stuff in-house using LMMS. It's kind of like an open-source garage band, but because I don't own a Mac, it's what I've got. We use Libsyn, who we have been very happy with, to maintain our RSS feed, and we have all sorts of social media accounts for the show, uh, for branding and all that. We have a Facebook at Stephen King Boo Club, Twitter at Stephen King Boo, and an Instagram account at Stephen King Boo Club. Uh, We also have an email where we reach out to interview subjects and keep in contact with some of our most dedicated audience members, which is, of course... Stephen King Boo Club at gmail.com. That last one, I think, is the most important digital presence we have. The nature of doing a book club podcast is that people want to talk about books, and so that allows them to have kind of longer, protracted conversations with us. Now, okay, technicalities and buzz marketing aside, I really like this question because I kind of get the feeling that Dave's driving at something deeper than just, you know, what mic do you use and what DAW floats your boat? What I use to make my podcast is so much more than just the tools of the trade. My podcast exists because of my friendship with my co-host. That's really one of our two major foundations. And because of my podcast, wink wink, we've grown really close. Although our show is based in comedy, the two of us have been going through some really hard times lately. You know, who hasn't (laughs) this year? And getting to create goofy infotainment has really carried us through and given us something to focus on. And the show, quite frankly, wouldn't work without all of the joy we feel just getting to make something together. So that's one huge thing that we use to create the show that I really feel goes unspoken too often. Now, the other quote-unquote thing we use to create the podcast is the absolute literary powerhouse that is Stephen King. 
subject matter, or our podcast's niche, if you want to be clinical about it, is unbelievably important. We recently did this April Fool's stunt. You know, we release every Wednesday, and one of them lined up exactly with April 1st. So we produced an entire full hour-long episode on a different author, uh, Dean Kuntz, who is often the butt of jokes in the Stephen King online community. And it was like trying to make soup without broth. So while our personalities uh, and bond are definitely important, there there would be no podcast without Stephen King and his incredible writing. Uh, our topic, we have found, is easily, easily as essential as our microphones and editing software. Oh, um, and of course, I use the School of Podcasting podcast to stay inspired and keep my skills sharp. You should check that out wherever fine podcasts are peddled. Anyway, this has been Stephen Andrasano, repping the Stephen King Boo Club, signing off. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Stephen. This is why I didn't give you guidelines. I'm like, I just want you guys just to go. What does that mean to you? And answer the question. We're learning a lot of stuff, but also this is like the conversations you have when you go to an event. So I wasn't thinking about this when I did this question, but I'm loving the answers that we get. Here comes Kim. Hi, everybody. This is Kim Newlove from the Pharmacist Voice podcast. You can find my podcast at thepharmacistvoice.com. That's the pharmacist with an S voice.com. My podcast is a journey style podcast about my career change from pharmacist to voice actor. I alternate solo shows and interview shows. The solo shows are about my career change, and the interview shows feature a variety of people who use their voices to advocate, educate, or entertain. I publish one episode every Friday, and I'm on episode 15. First of all, I have to say that I created my podcast using Dave Jackson's School of Podcasting courses. Even now that I'm up and running, I love attending office hours to get questions answered and get support from my fellow classmates. I like the private Facebook group for support, too. Thank you, Dave, for all you do. All the other stuff is quite a long list. (laughs) I'll try to keep it to the nerdy facts and leave the stories out. My equipment list might seem like overkill to a beginner. Just want to say that right away. Before I started podcasting, I had been training for work in the voiceover industry, specifically medical narration, e-learning, and audiobooks. Just keep that in mind. Here goes. I record on a MacBook Air laptop using a program called Studio One Artist. I use Isotope RX7 audio repair software to remove unwanted noises like mouth noise. When I bought some training courses for using Studio One Artist, some downloadable podcast and voiceover narration templates came free with purchase. They even had some EQ, a limiter, and some other helpful mixed tools built in. It's not a custom stack, but it's helpful even though it's basic. I love my templates, and I don't use anything but those for my podcasts and voiceover projects. I'm able to produce WAV files, MP3s, and more using Studio One. The MP3s get uploaded to Libsyn. That's my podcast host. I had five microphones. Now I'm down to four, and that seems to work perfectly. I started with a Blue Yeti for voiceover training, but I stopped using it before I started podcasting. I would not recommend the Blue Yeti for podcasting. The sound does not complement my voice or my recording space. What do I use to record my podcast? I use an Audio-Technica 2035 condenser microphone for solo episodes. I also use the AT2035 to record teasers, intros, and outros for interview shows, too. 
I use a Focusrite Scarlett Solo second generation audio interface with the AT2035 microphone. I just started using Sony MDR7506 headphones, but I did start off with earbuds. The Sonys are way better. I record solo shows, teasers, intros, and outros in my bedroom closet. The microphone sits on a traditional adjustable height stand-up microphone stand. My show outline sits on a music stand that's just behind the microphone. I'm there now. (laughs) To record interviews that are not in person, I use Ecamm Skype call recorder on my laptop while I sit at my desk in my office. I use a Samson QTU dynamic microphone with a windscreen attached to a Samson brand scissor-style arm mounted to my office desk. I love the mounting arm because I can raise or lower it, push it away or pull it forward uh, while my microphone's attached during interviews, Skype calls, Zoom chats, etc. FYI, I use the Q2U as a USB microphone plugged into my laptop, but it is also an XLR microphone. My guests have anything from headsets with microphones to microphones on laptops or just built-in laptop microphones. I can edit the audio to make it sound pretty good so I don't get hung up on the guest's gear. I have two Audio-Technica 2100 dynamic microphones. Both have windscreens. Why do I have two? Well, when I have in-person interviews, the microphones travel well and I don't have to worry about which microphone to put with myself versus my guest. I tried that in the beginning, and I didn't like using the Samson Q2U mixed with the ATR2100. The gain on the audio interface is different for each microphone, and I don't like to fiddle with knobs while I'm setting up. Plus, I didn't have to take the Q2U off my desk then, pack it up, go on location, unpack it, set it up for the interview, then pack it back up, bring it home, unpack it, put it back in the office. You know, it's one less thing to worry about. Also, for in-person interviews, I have a Presonus 2.6 audio interface, which also happens to be my backup for my Focusrite Scarlett Solo, just in case it breaks. I keep the Presonus 2.6, the two Audio-Technica 2100s, all the cables, and a packing checklist in an old video recorder case that I repurposed as my podcast-on-the-go case. I also have two microphone stands with short boom arms and weighted bases for in-person podcast interviews. I don't recommend holding the microphone yourself or letting a guest hold a microphone. I forgot a stand one time, and I really kicked myself because I bumped my microphone countless times during the interview, and I had a lot of audio to edit afterward. It was not fun. Here's some quick random facts before I wrap this up. I'm a Mac user, and I use a word processing program called Pages to write my show notes. I use Weebly for my website, I bought my domain from Google Domains, and I use Storyblocks.com for music. Workflow is easy now that I've done this a few times. I publish my episode to Libsyn, then I update my website. Last, I do a social media blast with my episode. LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and the Underdog Podcast Community Facebook group. Some miscellaneous facts. For interviews, I sometimes use Eric K. Johnson's list of 17 powerful interview questions. Excellent list. Check that out. And speaking of lists, I have a list of at least 20 guests I'd like to interview. I send guests an interview invitation. Once they accept, I send an interview confirmation. Both are templates and I reuse them. Mindset is important. With podcasting, I'm not a perfectionist. It's one and done. I have limited time. I just need to get it done. Like now. I'll wrap this up by saying thank you to Dave Jackson for including my feedback among the answers to the April 2020 question of the month. Bye, guys. 
And that is why I love the School of Podcasting's Facebook group. Can you imagine having a whole group of people like Kim New Love? She is awesome. Thank you, Kim. That was an absolutely great answer. Hey, Dave. This is Timothy Kim O'Brien, head instigator at Create Art Podcast, where we help you create more than you consume, and co-host of Podrect, where we help you survive your podcast. Now, you can find my podcast at createartpodcast.com and podrect.com. So I wanted to talk with you today about what I use to make my podcast for your question of the month for April of 2020. Now, I'm sure many folks will want to talk about their gear and their software, but I'd like to talk to you something. I'd like to talk to you about content creation. Being an artist and a teacher for over 20 years, I usually have no trouble finding content for my episodes, and much of what I produce is evergreen. But I do have days where I'm strapped for ideas, and I have two tools that any podcaster can utilize, doesn't matter what your genre is. The first one I use is Flipboard. Basically, it's a news aggregator. I select topics that I'm interested in, and it returns articles that relate to those topics. Now, these articles come from some, pri- from some surprising sources, such as Ladders and Ink Magazine. Who would have thought an art podcast is going to be quoting from Ladders and Ink Magazine? Well, I definitely do. The tool is free, and it was on uh, the bloatware for my Note 8. I can take that information from the articles and use it as inspiration to make an episode or to provide commentary on the article, and that becomes my episode. The second tool I use is Google News. Again, I set it up similar to Flipboard, where I put in topics that I'm interested in, and I can view the articles that deal with those topics. Now, for both tools, I ensure that I cite the original source in my episode and provide the link so my audience can look back and, you know, go ahead and connect up uh, with that. Now, I know that you have listeners who are new to podcasting or who are struggling to find content. And I know they're going to find these tools invaluable. I uh, usually have an hour and a half commute to work every day, um, except with what's going on right now, obviously. But when I do have that commute, I open up both of those tools. And if I find an article that sparks something in me, I forward it to my Evernote account. And I can read it on my break or lunch. And then I can craft my episode accordingly. Well, Dave... It's always great to hear your voice and get your take on things in the podcast world. Take care, be safe, and I kind of hate to mention this on your show, but um, I haven't got the check yet for all the times that Kyle and I mentioned you on Podrect. Any idea when we're going to see that? Have a great one. Right after I get my uh, stimulus check. It's top top of the line there, buddy. Thanks, man. Hi, my name's Mike Thomas. I create the Anopsis Podcast. Inopsis is a trade association for suppliers of digital infrastructure to the UK public sector. You can find us at inopsis.org. That's I-N-N-O-P-S-I-S dot org. To avoid the obvious answer as to what kit we use, I'd like to explore a different answer. The main tools we use are ears and mouth in the same ratio provided on the average head. To explain further, firstly, I listen to people that I come across in my normal day job. I'm listening for someone who has something interesting to say to our audience. I'll then ask if they'd like to take part and outline what I'm looking for. 
Next, we discuss the topic areas that they think will be of interest. Whilst they speak, I'm listening to see how they come across, how many crutch words litter their speech, and if they come across as salesy, etc. If they pass these hurdles, then on select a date and time to record. This is ideally done face-to-face and COVID-permitting, or via Squadcast. If the former, then I explain that I need about an hour of their time and the ideal environment. If they choose the latter, I need to ensure they've got a suitable headset and they can run Chrome. Danger bells go off when they say, I've got a good mic to use. It usually means a snowball or a Yeti. Whilst the mics are okay, they don't suffer novices as well. I've yet to find anyone who tells me they've got a dynamic cardioid mic to use. Having got a date and venue, either real or virtual, the next task is to find out if my host is available. Usually she is. Before the interview, I now have to get some research done both on the topic and the guest. I'm looking for comments on LinkedIn, Twitter, many personal background from Facebook, any videos posted on YouTube, articles on the topic, either from Feedly or Google are searched on. What has someone said? What research was performed? When I've collected as much as reasonable, then I compile the briefing sheet with the essential information in text and links to the supporting information. During the recording, I'm listening to both the content and the sound quality. The better the recording, the less work for me later. The better the conversation, the better the podcast. Post-recording, I put the files into Audition and create a rough mix. This is verbatim transcribed by Rev.com, as I find it easier to plan the edit from the written word. Once the transcription is returned, I highlight the obvious changes like crutch words, stumbles, and try to make what they say make sense. Doing this stage makes it faster for me to do the first edit. The reduced text is sent to the guest to see if there's anything they would like removed. As some guests are politicians or working in the public sector, they wouldn't take part without this stage. Generally, there's very few changes. On to the final mix and audition, with any treatment handled by RX7 and Wave plugins. The voices are mixed to a sub and their music and intros then mixed down to the master mix. The final mix is analysed for luft levels and output as a WAV file. The WAV is put into Fusion for the final ID tags, and cover artwork is added, and the output is either MP3 or AAC. File is loaded to Blueberry, and the show notes are written. The final step is to press Publish, wait and check the popular podcatchers to see if all is okay. Job done. Thank you, Mike, and thanks especially for telling me how to spell Inopsis. I was going to be lost, but uh, I guess we should get to my list. It's a bit lengthy. Uh, I use N-O Reader to watch and listen to a bazillion different RSS feeds about podcasting. I then put those into Evernote if they grab my fancy. I uh, use Overcast I, as my podcast listening app. I use Audible. I use Hoopla Digital to listen to a lot of books. Then again, make it into Evernote and ideas. All the ideas that you're like, ooh, I need to write this down. Evernote is my tool for that. Todoist is what I use for my to-do list. So uh, I think it was York that mentioned being a little ADD. Yeah, Todoist is a great tool to keep me focused. Along with Nimble.com, which is what I use to keep track of customers and potential clients and things like that and say, hey, don't forget to call so-and-so back. I use Acuity Scheduling for scheduling all of my consulting and being on people's shows. To track my income and expenses, I use a service called Andco. They are owned by Fiverr, and it makes it so easy to track expenses. Tracking income isn't that much of a problem. I Again, Acuity Scheduling. 
Anco makes tracking expenses super duper easy. I host my websites on coolerwebsites.com. That's my GoDaddy reseller, as well as Maple Grove Partners. When I'm not using WordPress, I'm using PodPage. Check that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash PodPage. Speaking of WordPress, I use Second Line Themes and Elementor when I do use WordPress. I use a Samson MBA38 boom arm. I think that's the same one that Kim uses. Uh, my main microphone is an Electrovoice RE320. I'm using it right now, and it's going into the Rodecaster Pro. For my video stuff, if you see me on uh, Ask the Podcast Coach and the Podcast Review Show, I just use a webcam. Have fun getting one now, though. Holy cow. The Logitech C920. I use StreamYard. The tapestry that has the School of Podcasting logo on my video is from TeePublic. I bought some uh, L, basically LED floodlights that I stick on the floor. They're like, I don't know, 13 bucks. And it, that's how I get that blue stuff on the wall behind me. Because if you just saw the the office, it's beige. It doesn't look anything like it does. Um, I use a Behringer UCA222 on Saturday morning to split the Rodecaster into my laptop so I can run a Spreaker or whatever I'm live streaming to. My headphones are an Audio-Technica M30S. Uh, I use a, uh, it's creatively named a PC gaming headset headphone clamp. And this clamps on my desk and that's what I hang my headphones on. And as you might imagine... I use Libsyn as my media host, have been for 15 years. So for everyone who goes, oh, yeah, he just likes Libsyn because he works there. I was there for 10 years before I was an employee. Use the coupon code SOP free because, hey, May's right around the corner. If you use that coupon code on like May 1st, you get all of May and all of June free. Uh, for voicemail, I use podcastvoicemail.com which is just my Call8 affiliate link and SpeakPipe. For email, I recently switched to SendFox, and while it doesn't integrate with all the other stuff I normally uh, integrated with, it's actually pretty cool, and it's a one-time fee, and it's yours for life, basically. For social media, I use Buffer and Social B, and I believe, because I'm out of breath, I am done. Yeah, if I, I use Facebook... For my private Facebook group, oddly enough, if I was starting today, I would take a long, hard look at Mighty Networks. I'm interviewing somebody from that uh, company in the future. And for the School of Podcasting, it runs on Thinkific. And I'll have links to these at schoolofpodcasting.com slash 720 or just check out podcastingresources.com. Thank you to everyone who replied to this. It really did a lot of stuff that I didn't think it was going to do, but I thought it was cool. Hope you enjoyed it. What is the question for May? Here's the thing. I am somewhat obsessed with the concept right now of coming up with a tool, a system, a process, whatever you want to call it, for new podcasters to get honest feedback on their podcast. Now I realize you're like, Dave, um, doesn't that already already exist? It's called the podcast rodeo show. And for, if you want to deep dive the podcast review show and I'm like, yeah. And that's part of my thing is I'm trying to find like a third way that I could somehow come up with a big giant email list. And you could say, I like sports and somebody else could say, I'm a foodie. And somebody else could say, I'm looking to lose weight. And somebody else could say, I'm whatever it is. What are your interests? And then somebody could come and say, Hey, I need a focus group. I do a show 
on weight loss. I do a show on inspirational stories. It's for small business, whatever it is. And I could go to the small business people that said, yes, I love podcasts about small business and go, hey, listen to this show and talk about it like that person isn't in the room because they're looking for honest feedback. And so I'm trying to figure out how to do that without shooting myself in the foot because I get paid at the podcast rodeo show. I get paid at the podcast review show when I do that. And that is going to be a lot of work, but I just either A, and this could be part of it, is that it's my art, man, and people don't want feedback on that. I get that. I got some feedback today from, uh, I got it from my podcast review. Somebody sent me a four-star review. They said, hey, I'd give you five, but you said nasty things about Anchor, and it's so easy to use. (laughs) And I'm like, look, I never said it wasn't easy. I just said nobody in the top 200 is making a podcast with their phone. That's all. Many other things. I might be uh, talking about Anchor in the future. They've changed some things over there. But alas, that was a fun tangent. Getting back to the podcast focus group. This is what I want to do with you. Number one, is that something you're interested in? Because I'm doing what I tell my clients to do all the time is ask your audience, is this something you're even interested in? B, if you go, Dave, I already did that. How did you do that? And then what would you want if we created one? And then if you're going, no, Dave, you're going about that all the wrong way. Any ideas on this? Because I've actually thrown this out to the school of podcasting, and I'm not sure that people are really interested in, yeah, I would like feedback on my show. Or do they just want it from their audience? I don't know. But I'm obsessed with this idea right now. And hence, it is the May question of uh, the month. So I need that by May 22nd, 2020. And I'm just going to, again, leave it open. What are your thoughts on podcast focus groups? If you were trying to start one or create a service or whatever, just I'm going to leave it open-ended like that. What are your thoughts on podcast focus groups? Simply go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash question, and I would love to hear from you by May 22nd. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, and you will get these as soon as they come out. Oh, I'm so glad. Are you still here? Please say you're still here. If you are listening to this right now in April of 2020, Apple right now will not admit this, but I'm saying from my chair, they're a little behind on updating Apple. So if you release a podcast and it's not in your iTunes listing, even after 24 hours, subscribe, please, please subscribe to your show. Even if you're listening to this later, please subscribe to your own show. And when you see the file come down to your device, that means that whoever you're using as a media host, they're working fine. It's not displaying right in Apple and it is Apple's problem. And there's really not much your media host can do. But speaking of subscribing, if you go to schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe, you will get these pretty much the minute I publish them. And I've got things like an interview with the guy from Podit. We're going to be talking with some people from Mighty Networks. I just bought and I will be reviewing the content creator plugin bundle over at Waves. Check that out at schoolofpodcasting.com slash Waves. And many other fun-filled things as well as another question of the month. Schoolofpodcasting.com slash subscribe is how you can get the information. And then everything we mentioned today 
all I got, it's going to take me five hours just to do the show notes on this can be found at school of podcasting.com slash seven two zero. Thank you to everyone who contributed and what's just to peel back the curtain. Every time I do a question of the month, there's a voice in my head that goes, what if nobody like responds? You're going to look really stupid. And yet you do. So I really do appreciate that. I appreciate everybody sharing. And until next week, class is dismissed. Take care. God bless. And be safe. And yeah, I'm talking to you, the stupid young. And, uh, you know, you can't beat young and stupid. I have a volleyball court-ish sand pit thing in my apartment complex. And yesterday, and I'm pretty sure they weren't like a family that was all living together anyway. Was people got together and played volleyball. And I was like, it's because of you young people that this thing keeps spreading and it's going to take longer until I can go outside again. So please quit being young and stupid. Be safe. And I will see you next week.